0: My name is Tom Chick, and you are listening to the Quarter to Three Movie Podcast for Seven Psychos, Seven Psychopaths. I shorted it. <laughs> Seven Psychopaths. I was short on time. Uh, I am here today with short on time Chris- Yeah, you know if you're if you're in a hurry, just call it Seven Psychos. That's okay. Uh, I am here with Christian Malinsky. It's
1: Kislowski.
0: <laughs> and with a seven psychos tagline kelly wand five technically
2: <laughs> hey i had a new was- one for the
0: master i thought of uh I- <laughs> Kel, i'll i'll splice that in say it now and then i'll splice it back in All right. the master podcast.
2: this is my new catches for the master
0: i wish there'd been more blood mm, i like that kelly what about more oil did you wish for more oil as well no okay i didn't <laughs> wish uh getting back to uh seven psychopaths that's what we saw this week maybe you haven't seen it in which case we don't want to spoil it for you yet so if you haven't seen seven psychopaths don't go yet because what we're going to do is we're going to have dingus here tell you a little bit about it without spoiling anything so dingus don't spoil anything don't give away who's a psychopath or who's not or how many there are for instance without giving any of that information out why don't you tell us about seven psychopaths all right, this week we saw Seven Psychopaths.
1: Oh, I already gave away how many. Sorry. Um, a 2012 British comedy crime drama meta movie about a screenwriter trying not to write a movie. It was written and directed by Martin McDonough and stars Michael Stuhlberg and yeah. Michael Pitt. Yeah! Seven <laughs> Psychopaths is rated R for... Things.
0: <laughs> Wrong... What? That's, you're going to stop there? Because that could have been... That could have been an exciting part of the Seven Psychopaths. Sort of basic information.
2: He wasn't stopping. All
0: right. I, I mean, I think those are appropriate to lead with. I mean, I the movie felt it was appropriate to lead with those. So you know what, uh, Dingus? Who are we to second yeah. guess? Yeah, we're not movies. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right. So go ahead, Dingus. I'm sorry. So we got uh, Michael Stuhlbarg, Michael Pitt. Uh, did you say what it's rated? Because that's kind of important. He did. It's rated R. Why would it be rated R? I don't understand.
1: Well, here's the reason it's rated R for strong, bloody violence, mm. bloody images, mm. pervasive language, <laughs> bloody images,
2: <laughs>
1: sexuality slash nudity,
2: uh, uh. and Ugh. some drug use. <laughs> <laughs> no. They have to actually seem like they're on peyote for it to be rated for that. I read it somewhere. Kelly Wand, do you not drink? I don't not drink. What do you got? What are my options? I've been drinking a lot of uh, like girly drinks, like, like like flirtinis and like fruit touristy drinks with umbrellas. Kelly
0: Wand, I, I hear that you're a fiend for mojitos. cross-pollination, Tom. I like that. Thank you. Thank you. A little Colin Farrell humor to, to kick us off. Uh, so Seven <laughs> Psychopaths. Uh, it's been out for three weeks, but for its opening weekend, it was a very limited release. Uh, this is not a movie that's going to make a whole lot of money. Um, it's that's Martin, how it was made. It's Martin McDonough's second film. Uh, he's, uh, he's also a playwright, by the way. So this guy's just writing and directing his own cool stuff. Uh, so it's not, don't be alarmed when I tell you that it opened to four million dollars. It's not bad. Don't everybody settle down. Everybody but there's only one screen,
2: so it's the highest box office. It really
0: surprises me actually because I saw it marketed so much here. I, I think well, yeah. I mean, they won't market it someplace where it's not going to open. But I think right now it's at about a thousand screens. Uh, it's all told in three weeks. It's made something like nine million. Uh, it has beaten, by the way, in its first three weeks. I found this a curious figure. It has made more money than In Bruges ever made. What? I know. <laughs> well, it's got names. like in Br- Well, I guess In Bruges had Colin Farrell, but I-, I think this one lends itself more to a kind of a theatrical release, a marketing campaign. Um, it doesn't have a title like In Bruges. Exactly right. People know both of the words in the title. Yes, yeah, number. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, it so,
1: was also um, funded. I wonder if In Bruges was funded by... Uh, anyway, go ahead.
0: Sorry. Well, I noticed you mentioned it was British, Dingus, which I guess... i I mean i always know when it has that like uk lottery like like if people can shoot movies people from the uk get money from the uk to make these movies uh what do we do we uh throw them into the hollywood machine and see what comes out kelly wand we believe in private enterprise then we make movies about the hollywood machine sometimes we do yes um So Seven Psychopaths, it's not competitive with wide releases, but it is doing very well in uh, that sort of level of movie making. Um, Critically speaking, on Rotten Tomatoes, which is the percentage of reviews that are positive, 85%. So most of the people who saw it uh, as paid critics, they were like, yeah, it's good. On Metacritic, however, where we take into account what scores were given to the movie, the average rating when you normalize it to a scale from 1 to 100, is is, uh, is 66. Oh. So what we draw from this, Kelly Wand. Yeah, which mean less? Them. Those numbers or the numbers on Lost? I just... No. <laughs> <laughs> That's a loaded question. What JK. did the numbers on Lost mean? Exactly. Yeah, thank you. Uh, so what those numbers mean, Kelly Wand, is that a lot of people liked it, but they didn't super like it.
2: Oh. See? Super like, what? For what's the number
0: value for to super like it, you need an 80 or higher on Metacritic to be super And what's loving a 83? 90 or higher, yeah. Hey, uh, yes, if, if, you,
2: uh, if you take a Paranormal Activity movie and you add 8, that's what year it is, in case you forget. Wait, And a movie theater's closer than a calendar.
0: If you add 8, so Paranormal Activity 1 was made in the year 8? No, you... No, per, no, no you, yeah, see? The year nine? <laughs> yeah, the year nine.
2: Well, and 2000. So Jesus, Jesus was still alive? Okay, wait, you have to add 2008. <laughs> oh, so
0: that's some of that... <laughs> you didn't specify that, Kelly Wand. I, Kelly Wand, I take my math very seriously here. You can't How make come the up?
2: Jews have to do, abide by the same calendar if they don't believe the Jesus stuff? You know what? Ask Pope Gregory, Kelly Wand. Mm. Uh, he's my favorite uh-huh. Jew. Thank you. By no, you we... make a good Pope, Tom. What is that from? <laughs> what is he quoting, Kelly Juan? Don't worry, I.
0: I think I know what that's from. What is that from? Make a good. It's from the thing we just saw. Oh, that's why I recognize it. Well, you know what? It's a, hold that thought, because that might be a spoiler. I also want to say real quick about the box office this weekend, because Kelly Wan might find this enjoyable to know. Uh, paranormal Activity 4 isn't doing real well. It is the lowest grossing Paranormal Activity movie in its opening weekend, I think. So what do you think of that? made well? 30, which is good. I mean, it's
2: still the number one movie.
0: Right. But uh, I think they were expecting more, and there seems to be a decline. Maybe they're going to hoist those Catfish Boys off of the project and turn it over to someone else for fun. Uh, did you read that, or are you just suspect hoping that? I did true. not read that. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I know that... Paramount is pretty much committed to doing a fifth. I mean, these things are dirt cheap; they'd be silly not to do one. Paramount normal. But I do know that Paranormal Activity four was a disappointing opening. Even I,
2: I read that uh, it's supposed to be a setup for a five, and then it, it like ends on a note like, oh, and then the next one's going to be really crazy. Spoiler. The Did next just one is just texting. That's all. <laughs> I would Let's, see that text could be scary. Orson Welles proved that in
0: 1938 on the radio. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Kelly Wand, why don't you uh, spoil Seven Psychopaths for folks by telling them everything that takes place in the movie? I have to do it in that specific way. I can't just
2: spoil <laughs> for them quickly. <laughs>
0: Sure. No, it's, it. As much time as you feel a spoiler needs, just, yeah. If, uh, what if do you think it's called, since you're now an
2: expert at guessing what they're called? Uh, seven psychopops You didn't open the paper. You have to open your paper that you've written down on.
0: Oh, right, right. Yeah, I've written in the envelope.
2: Uh, the
0: I Seven didn't... psychopopsis.
2: Was that close? Uh, actually, that is what it is. I'm going to play fair. Good. It was
0: seven psychopsis. Is that what you said? I wasn't. Uh, it's not, but I'll take it. What did you say? I tried to get uh, a little bit of a, a CHOPAT kind of thing going. Uh, uh, I didn't truncate kind of it as much huh? as you did. Yeah. Oh, not Too soon. All right. So whatever you got, Kelly Wan, we want to hear it. Rock
2: and roll. Oh, wait. One last thing. Mm-hmm. What do prom and murder mm-hmm. mystery dinner theater have in common?
0: Hmm. prom and murder mystery dinner theater have in common i am opening my envelope kelly one is going to make a joke about both of them no it's uh they're a pair
2: activities <laughs> <laughs> wow ouch all right seven psychopsis this one's okay. kind of weak Next week's Cloud Atlas, so that's my excuse for this one not being
0: good. You got to save up your energy. Yeah,
2: yeah, just got to bench
0: the the superstar. By the way, I love that I made Kelly Wan to look up whether or not I told Kelly Wan that Cloud Atlas was a six hour movie and when you bought a ticket, you had to show up on two separate nights to finish it. It was like in two consecutive nights. And I I convinced him by saying it was just like when they have the ring cycle yeah. at Beirut. Like but Well he also said look it up, which I always, <laughs> that always tricks me. Like, oh he wouldn't say look it up
2: unless it's true. So right. as I'm looking it up. But then he can hear me typing, so I've lost. But yeah, I love that you fell for that. So, but Dingus was dead silent, like he was kind of bummed about, it. like, yeah,
1: tonight, fuck. Yeah, Dingus. I dingus was excited worked. and trying to figure out what Beirut meant.
0: <laughs> that's where they have uh, this Wagner festival every year. Not, not it, in Lebanon. Yeah, I was going to ask. <laughs> it's in Germany. No. All right, at any rate, that's enough opera nerdery. Let's get back Off to arc- arc- our Psychosis. Yes, rock and roll. Kelly Wan, take it away. <sighs>
2: Two gangsters are standing on Hoover Dam, see? One's all. <laughs> uh, I don't want to read right now. I mean, here it comes. One's all, hey, Charlie. Yeah, Mickey? The first guy's all, you think two professional hitmen would do a hit standing out in broad daylight on a national landmark facing the same direction the whole time? The other guy's all, ah, something royale with cheese. The first guy's <laughs> all, hey, Charlie, you ever shot anybody with a bullet before? The other guy's all, nah, but I shook a guy by his right hand one time. The first guy's all, that's a whole new topic entirely. That's like saying smoking aces is derivative of lock stock and two smoking days in the valley instead of get shorty. <laughs> the other guy's all, derivativeness is okay if it's self-aware. Then it's the screenwriter winking at us, being in on some L.A. douchebag's private jokes worth at least twelve fifty easy. The first guy's all, yeah, Charlie, but is he winking with us or at us? The other guy's all, I guess that depends on how good-looking an actor he got to play him. The first guy's all, come on, Charlie, a vanity piece can still be funny. The other guy's all, interspersing with schmaltzy parts isn't funny. Audiences laugh anytime anybody gets shot unexpectedly. It's a low bar. The first guy's all, come on, Charlie, it's not unexpected if they see the shooter for the whole shot approaching us from behind for over a minute and ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen and a half. Blam, blam. The masked psychopath throws jacks of diamonds on them. That way their boss and the cops will know he bought some cards. Cut to L.A. Colin Firth's a screenwriter who lives with his girlfriend, Kayak. Sam Rockwell. <laughs> <laughs> Kayak answers it. Hi. Sam Rockwell's all, Why are you such a fucking bitch all the time, cunt? He throws some Cheetos at her. She's all, Colin, your only friend's here. Sam Rockwell comes in carrying a bulldog. Colin, why is your girlfriend such a cunt all the time? And speaking of which, how's your screenplay coming? Colin first saw, I and Begora, that skaggy witch, sold me a gammy spell. I don't know if I can keep that up. Pretty productive morning, actually. Changed the title from Untitled to Seven Psychopaths. Sam Rockwell's all. Nowhere to go but up from Inbruges. Colin Firth's all. I just wish I knew some psychopaths. I've never had to write about made-up people before. I'm beginning to think that Bob McKee seminar was the worst 12K I ever borrowed from me girlfriend. Do you happen to know any colorful people, of dubious moral character that might inspire me a little? Speaking of which, how's the dog-napping biz? Sam Rockwell's all. You should let me help write your script for you. I'm a frustrated screenwriter, in addition to dognapper, psychopath, mafia and Yakuza assassin, camper, and Russian girlfriend seducer, see? Duh. Colin Furstall. Hmm, a camper. St. Patrick B. Blarneystone. That's a great idea for a psychopath. Hey, it's none of me business, but how do you get people's dogs off the leash into the stake? And if you're fucking Woody Harrelson's girlfriend, wouldn't his dog have been first? And wouldn't ye have known he'd come after ye? So aren't you responsible for Christopher Walken's wife's death? In which case shouldn't he hate ye? How do ye and Walken even know each other but not know the other guy's a psychopath? And why do you keep those decks of playing cards? They're not much good without the jacks. And how'd ye score a piece of ass like Woody Harrelson's girlfriend if you have such a lousy shillelagh? <laughs> Sam Rockwell shrugs. Chlamydia Sidebar slash Canadote. Canadian news is so boring. (laughs) They report ours instead. This week I read about how a contestant in Florida died mysteriously right after participating in a live cockroach-eating contest. No, he had so much to live for. Sam Rockwell goes to a kennel and says stuff to Christopher Walken. Christopher Watkins married to an old black chick who's also a psychopath, but now she has cancer, so it's cool. He covers her medical fees by bringing 500 bucks in cash to her hospital bed every day. You guys there? <laughs> There's also a Vietnamese priest who doesn't exist. Avenging family members who got killed in a long-ago war automatically makes you a psychopath. I'm looking at you, Simon Weisenthal. Some things you just gotta let go. Woody Harrelson's the villain psychopath, because even though he doesn't shoot Precious based on the novel by Sapphire, he does shoot the other (laughs) black chick in her hospital room. Then he waits in the hospital waiting room for either the cops or Christopher Walken to come, so he can shoot them too, but then he leaves because Christopher Walken shows him his neck wound. Not much freaks Woody Harrelson out, but wounds? (laughs) Colin Firth gets drunk and apparently calls Kayak a fucking bitch. But since it happens off-screen, we don't know why, nor if she considers this unusual when he's on the sauce. To cheer up, Colin Firth, Sam Rockwell's all, I better leave before you get mad at me for the ad I placed on page 810 of the Hollywood Reporter using my dog-napping money. Colin Firth turns to the page while, Oh no, what did the wacky character do now? Music plays. <laughs> Sam Rockwell placed an ad telling everybody in Hollywood, including other writers, that Colin Firth's writing a movie about psychopaths. So come to his house and tell him all about it for free so he can steal your life stories and use them for comic effect in a movie. Only one guy turns up, Tom Waits with a bunny, and tells how he and his black wife killed a bunch of serial killers but broke up because when they set fire to the Zodiac killer's table, he stared at her with his mouth open for a couple seconds. (laughs) That's why he loves bunnies. He tells Colin Firth to say hey to his wife in the closing credits of his movie. Colin Firth arbitrarily swears on his life to do so, but doesn't because he thought Tom Waits was JK-ing. Psychopaths are always jk Meanwhile, Sam Rockwell breaks up with Woody Harrelson's girlfriend by shooting her in the stomach. Then he, Colin Firth, Christopher Walken, and Woody Harrelson's dog drive into the desert to hide out from Woody Harrelson until the heat blows over, although shortly after they arrive... Sam Rockwell calls Woody and tells him where they are, i.e. within a couple miles of random rock pile eight zillion six. To help can get over his wife's death that Rockwell caused, Rockwell fucks with him on peyote. Colin Firth saw, the second half of me movie should just be the characters talking about nothing in the desert. I'm a genius. The bad guys show up and everybody dies except Colin Firth because he's a pacifist who just likes to write about psychopaths and hang out with them. Although he draws the line at sharing writing credits with one who killed a chick. Colin Firth goes on to become the greatest screenwriter ever. In his honor, all known copies of Citizen Kane are thrown into a black and white furnace. I guess he also gets his girlfriend back, although it happens off screen like the breakup. Sorry, Abby Cornish, this is Sucker Punch for boys. <laughs> The movie shrugs at us and goes, uh, then the projector bulb burns out. So Tom Waits calls Colin Firth from a phone booth and goes, hey, you said you were going to tell my wife, hey, in the credits, not recycle the burned out bulb from Grindhouse. <laughs> Colin Firth all, I thought Christopher Walken was ye because his wife was black. And Tom Waits is all, no, Walken was Harry Dean Stanton because the throat thing. Colin Firth all, well, something Irish. Nobody stays through film credits anyway unless they're Canadian or Tom. Tom Waits is all, a deal's a deal. I'm going to kill you on Tuesday. Colin Firth's all, okay. Tom Waits is all, eh, forget it. I guess this Easter egg's already cool enough. Me walking across the street with a bunny. <laughs> Psychopaths. Deep down, we're all just a bunch of whimsical oddballs who love too much. Colin Firth nods and comes on stage with Jimmy Carter, Alan Arkin, and Ben Affleck and goes, I think we all learned a little something from me. character's screenwriting. The end. <laughs> uh what a nightmare.
0: Tell you what, I love that you think that was Hoover Dam. <laughs> I don't know what things are.
1: And then after panning down from the Hollywood sign
0: <laughs> in LA. On a clear day, I think you can see the Hollywood sign from Hoover Dam. Yeah. Look, <laughs> La bray whatever, it's the same thing. it's Just a foolish liquid.
2: When I uh, moved here I renounced all American monuments. I don't know what any of them are now. Fair enough. Um
0: All right, so uh, Seven Psychopaths. Dingus, uh, I don't know if you're free to speak because you uh, sometimes hang out with Colin Farrell. So I'm going to recuse you from having to offer an opinion until Kelly Wand and I have gone, okay? Wait, that was Dingus on the tape? That was Dingus on the tape. What tape? Sex tape? The Colin Farrell sex tape. (laughs) I did not. I think... Are you confusing the Rob Lowe sex? Tape? I think Dingus is on the Rob Lowe sex tape. Uh, not interested. Um, um, I'm, I'm, I'm the one R. Kelly is peeing on. Uh, I don't know what that is, but that sounds gross. I'm going to move on. Ew! It's the first question. <laughs> <Related> <laughs> to- Kelly, Kelly, one. What did you think of Seven Psychopaths? Um,
2: I didn't see the other movie. Oh, you don't
0: know In Bruges? I'm sure that I've gotten on you about that before. I thought it was a foreign film. All right, Kelly you're excused from the podcast. All right. God. Oh, so, like, you actually thought In Bruges was, like, a Belgian movie. Why would you see such a thing? Yeah. Uh,
2: Or I thought it was another planet, but it takes place inside it, like, not even on the planet. I see. Right. Like, inside the mantle. Whatever you call that.
0: So, having not seen In Bruges, then this must have, uh... Blown my mind. Did it? Um,
2: Olga Kirilenko is naked, and I'm all, yay, and then she's shot, boo.
0: And the rest of it, I wasn't paying much attention.
2: (laughs) It's all right. I mean,
0: it's okay. You were there for one of the female characters, basically. Yeah, I'm always there for one of them. Uh, Let's see, Olga Kirilenko, did you see that one where she plays this, uh, like, Celtic warrior, uh, barbarian, tribal leader, fighter chick? The heck was that it's where michael fassbender is a roman soldier and she and he has to fight olga carrier pathfinder yeah yeah i think it's a centurion or pathfinder something like that it's the crappy version of dude. the one we saw with uh jamie bell and um uh, John the uh eagle. yeah the eagle but who was the dude from twitter i liked it when mandinga said different things and you went yeah well, yeah, to what Dingus said. Oh. Channing Tatum. Channing Tatum and Jamie Bell did a really cool Swords and Sandals movie about the Roman Empire that's good. Michael Fassbender and Olga Karolinko did a one that's really crappy. Uh, but, Kelly Wand, if you're an Olga Karolinko completionist, you need yeah. to see this one, just so you know. Uh, um, there's right. parts of her I still have to get to, so yes. Okay, so just put that on your list. And then maybe sometime after that, you can get around to seeing in Bruges. So I was a little uh, – uh, the movie got a little tedious as I was watching it, and I was I was a little annoyed at some of the quirkiness and the uh, meta self-aware bits. Uh, I got the sense that Martin McDonough had had gotten a little too much Tarantino in his system, or he was trying to do like his own Pulp Fiction. Uh, Tarantino doesn't even do that anymore. Right. It, it's like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like Tarantino got Pulp Fiction out of his system, then he moved on. Um, so, But parts of it at the end won me over, and there were two things in specific that I think make it worth seeing and that salvaged it for me. And those two things are Christopher Walken and Sam Rockwell. Um, so the rest of it – so so basically those two performances sort of salvaged what for me was otherwise a, a, a slightly two-twee meta story. Um but they're so, both
2: always good in every movie.
0: I disagree. Because Kelly I recently saw, uh, Todd Solondz, just did a movie called Dark Horse that has some Christopher Walken bits in it that are just, like, ponderous and awful and awkward and embarrassing for Christopher Walken. Uh, Christopher Walken does a lot of junk. Um, mm. And this is not that. I mean, this was really a re- sort of a return to form. He was just charming. He seemed to be having fun. There was this twinkle in his eye and that, that, that killer smile he's got. Uh, I thought this was great, Christopher Walken. Um, so there's my take. Dingus, now it's your turn. Colin Farrell hopefully is not listening so you can speak freely, not be embarrassed next time you drop your kid off at school and are hanging out with Colin Farrell. Creepy.
1: Uh, boy, I love that you mentioned Christopher Walken because he does deliver the line that pretty much uh, describes the movie for me. And, and that line is, uh, you you think that psychopaths are, are interesting. they Yes. They're really he kind of tiresome. A <laughs> After a while, they're kind of tiresome, aren't they? Um, and I, and then, and at that point in my notes, I went, thanks, Martin, for making psychopaths tiresome. I appreciate that. <laughs> um, for me, I just really, I started off, I, I went to see it with my dad. and We were laughing at the beginning. Um, and then it just gets so, like you said, Tom, it just gets so tedious. And, and finally I just started thinking, you know, uh, not only is that, that Moment where um, where where is it Maya Myra the the uh, where uh, Woody Harrelson is in the hotel room with Christopher Walken's wife and he does has that line about the Pollock and the N word and I just think you're just borrowing from Quentin Tarantino and then beyond that after I left I just thought you know I just want to go home and watch Kiss Kiss Bang Bang because that movie understands how to make this movie and this movie feels like an excuse. It feels like an excuse. It feels like Mark McDonough is constantly like, I couldn't figure out what, what script to write, so I'm just going to make an excuse. Right. I yeah. really disliked it.
0: Wow. So really dislike So uh, overall, like, thumbs down on it, Dingus. Like, even Christopher Walken's energy and certainly Sam Rockwell's enthusiasm, like, even with that stuff going for it, you just weren't into it.
1: Well, I love, I love Sam Rockwell, and I really like Colin Farrell, too. I think he's completely underused and disappears for its huge part of the movie, and I... Might have wanted to see more of what he's doing, but yeah. all of that pales in comparison to what Robert Downey Jr. Jr. and uh, and Val Kilmer are doing in Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. And as much as I love Sam Rockwell, I think that he pretty much could do this in his sleep. I don't think there's anything that remarkable. And maybe that's colored by me being so knocked out by him in Moon and knowing what he can do because this doesn't feel like anything that difficult for him.
0: Well, it also felt like it was kind of in a vacuum. Like, Colin Farrell, to me in this, like, I really like him, too, Dingus. And to me in this, he was just forgettable. Like, yeah. I think back on scenes, and he might as well have not even been there. It felt like like Sam Rockwell really had no one to work with. He's the straight he's, man. though. And he's, it's a tough thing to be, but it doesn't mean you have to be sort of forgettable or you have to... I, I mean, I don't think Martin McDonough really wrote much for him anyway. Uh, he's just kind of a placeholder for, hey, I'm going to write a story about me writing a script... <laughs> And he's he kind of disappears from it, uh, and and you think of what Charlie Kaufman did with adaptation, doing the same mm. kind of thing, and what Nicholas, you know, what Charlie Kaufman gives Nicholas Cage to play with in adaptation is amazing. And Martin McDonough can't manage anything like that for Colin Farrell here for whatever he's not reason. I think, well, you know what, you say that, Kelly Wan, but you haven't seen In Bruges. I've heard about some of the plays that he's done that I'd really like to see. Uh, I think In Bruges has some amazing writing in it. And it it has a straight man. I mean, it has a similar dynamic where uh, uh, um, Colin Farrell is in it as the Sam Rockwell character. And um, uh, Brendan Gleeson is the straight man. But he's very avuncular. His his relationship to Colin Farrell is an important part of the movie. Uh, I... I just, he's not
1: I, just a funcular. He's the heart. He's the yeah. heart and emotion of that movie. And until you said that, Tom, I didn't really realize that there isn't one in this movie. I mean, Brendan Gleeson. Think about the, the emotion that he gives when he when he's going to see the sights of, of Bruges. He's yeah. so invested in that, and he cares so much for Colin Farrell's character. And I don't know that you have anybody in that movie in this movie who who is an emotional center.
0: Right, because it's a, yeah, because it's Martin McDonough basically writing himself as a screenwriter in L.A. Uh, it, it was like a, a bucket of anecdotes or something. Like I didn't get a sense there was any character or meaningful relationships there. Yeah, um, is he supposed to be a good writer?
2: That character, Colin Farrell,
0: within the context of the movie, I think yeah. so. I mean, uh-huh. I mean, I, I think uh, yeah. I, I don't.
2: But if no, he's you know, good, why does he need all these other people? He's surrounded by them and he's like, gosh, no, I can't do well, this I, I get the sense I get the sense that he was that he's a
1: successful writer who's somewhat Locked. hobbled hobbled by success and alcohol is what is used yeah. to get through that and the crutch has become all that he, all that defines him. Uh, and and that's why the movie feels like an apology from Martin McDonough. I don't know that that's necessarily him giving being autobiographical, but it feels like there are mo- there's a moment early on where an agent calls and says where's your script? You know, that kind of thing. And I and I just felt like this feels like that. This feels like well, I don't have it, so I'll just turn in the conversation <laughs> I just had.
0: Uh, I, I had the great misfortune to also see another similar movie about the creative process and a writer who's supposed to be really good and falls on hard times. And uh, and it was wretched. I don't guess either of you saw Ruby Sparks, did you?
1: Oh, I thought you were going to say Sinister. But I'm so happy you're talking about Ruby Sparks because I, I was so nervous that. about that. <laughs> it just you, We talked about that a while ago, and I just thought, because I had actually seen the trailer, I just thought it looks like this
0: horrible male fantasy. It really is a horrible male fantasy, but the whole gimmick is like, how do you write a story about yourself being a great writer? <laughs> and I don't know that – I mean, I think you have to have – to do this kind of story i guess I, I don't know to make it work maybe it requires that kind of charlie kaufman self-loathing maybe i don't know uh, I, <laughs> but is uh, ruby sparks written by a girl though ruby sparks is written and directed by a dude and a chick who did one of your favorite movies dingus little miss sunshine
1: ah uh, i love that
0: uh, and boy you can tell <laughs> <laughs> uh but i and so uh in seven psychopaths uh it I do get the sense a couple of times that there is, you know, that self-awareness wasn't nearly as endearing. Like, when Christopher Walken says something about the psychopaths being tedious, when they talk about how women character, there's no meaningful women characters here. (laughs) I mean, why would you recognize that and not fix it? Or, I I just, I I, I was was so annoyed at that. (laughs) It's like, well, what, yeah, you have a good point, and why are you making us sit through that crap? Uh, Jeez.
1: yeah, you you almost get it with, with, um, is it Myra? I can't remember her name. Uh, the, but, uh, Christopher Walken's wife. You almost get it in that scene where she's talking to him. Uh, you almost get a glimpse of, cause what Christopher Walken says is, yeah, uh, the world is hard for women, but I don't know any of them who can't complete a sentence. And, and his wife is an intelligent woman and you can tell that, but you don't get any, any life out of her <laughs> other than that moment. Well, and, she's- Go ahead. Sorry, Dinkus. No, no, go ahead. Cause your, your observation about you're going to say this and then you're not going to do any, you're not going to counter it or
0: anything. Yeah, she, she's there for shock value to be killed to demonstrate that Woody Allen, who's other, uh, Woody Allen, no, Woody Harrelson.
1: <laughs>
2: that would have been awesome.
0: That would, yeah, yeah. actually it would have been. It just made the movie so much better.
1: <laughs> this, she, this is my, this is my favorite gun. <laughs>
0: Well, she is there exclusively to demonstrate that Woody Harrelson is is ruthless because otherwise he's a complete joke of a made up character. Uh, you know, he's every bit as believable as the the goofy Vietnamese priest guy. Uh, so here, he, you know, he's going to take this one interesting female character and basically throw it her into the teeth of Woody Harrelson's ruthlessness, uh, and that just felt so just manipulative and cheap to me. Um,
2: they're now, all psychopaths in the same way. I just realized like they all have like the dead wife or child thing.
0: Let's see, except Sam Rockwell. Except for Sam Rockwell. And except for uh I couldn't even remember. Is it just five psychopaths, Kelly Wand? But Sam Rockwell had the dog, so in a way. Ah, right. Uh it's just it's seven psych or six, right? Are there five of them or six? There's six. Well, There's Sam six, Rockwell's two of,
2: them, two of them. and... Yeah. The priest is is imaginary. Oh,
0: it doesn't exist. Okay, so fair point. Yeah, five real, one imaginary. Yeah, uh, and one. It's Colin Farrell's one who's not mentioned.
2: Right. Right. Oh. But if he's the okay, so wait, if Sam Rockwell was the Jack of Diamonds guy, right. but yes. he also owns the kennel, right? He comes in and shoots those guys, but not as himself, but as the Jack of Diamonds guy in the kennel and saves so Christopher Walken and
0: Colin Farrell. Correct.
2: Okay, continue.
0: I think, <laughs> I think he was successfully parsed the movie, yes, at that point. Then he goes back out and takes the mask off and
2: comes back in and goes, Hey, I'm Sam Rockwell. <laughs> exactly. And Let's go to the desert, and then I'll bring these guys with us and call them in. Yep, there you go.
0: Okay, thank you. By the,
1: by the way, let me just say something real quick, and normally I wouldn't care, but in this movie I noticed. I've tried to make a cell phone call in Joshua Tree National Park, and that's never going to happen.
0: Dingus, sometimes you just have to put... Suspension. Ex- exactly. As Samuel Coleridge-Taylor said, There's water everywhere. Mom everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> that quote. I, you know, what is the thing, too, about people in L.A. loving to go to Joshua Tree? I mean, certainly, I, I guess that's like kind of an institution, isn't Take it? Acid there and drugs. Oh, I did, I did it wrong.
2: <laughs> Would you, you didn't do that in Joshua Tree? It's the I only place that. to really do It's
0: the only reason to go. And then you play Troll on a rock. I've been been completely sober every time I've been there, so I I guess I screwed it up. Um, That's probably screwed up a lot of things. Uh, What did you guys feel about the, uh, well, I'll just mention, I really resent being shown some fantastic Michael Stuhlbarg and Michael Pitt and then being deprived of them for the rest of the movie. Yeah. I I thought, I was like, come on, let them live longer. Put them in more of the movie. Uh, I was really bummed out. I was a little depressed about that. No, you're okay with that? All right.
2: Well, if they'd Uh, stuck around, he wouldn't have written them as good. Like, they got one good scene.
0: I guess so. Uh... That's
2: that's just more shock value. Um, I
1: immediately settled in and was excited when Michael Stuhlbarg was there. Because he looks a little different. Um, I... You know, i I'm on record as having hated the last uh, Men in Black movie, but absolutely loving him.
0: Oh, you mentioned he, that. That's right. That's the one he, thing I've heard that makes me want to see that, Dingus.
1: He's fascinating. He's just got this luminous quality about him. And then in this, he's just this weird, dead-eyed guy. And they're, they have this—I can kind of look past all the eyeball, eyeball, ears— ears or something else kind of stuff because he's just fascinating to look at um, and so then I realized it's just for shock value and, and I kind of feel like you do, Tom. I, I kind of wanted to go back to a movie where he showed up every now and then. Even if you're going to do this weird, if you're going to crib something from Pulp Fiction, go ahead and crib some nonlinear editing and throw this yes. with them in every now and then.
0: <laughs> exactly. Where because were they, they have, the day before? Yeah.
1: Right, right. They have great chemistry. Uh, Michael Pitt is really good and he's subdued. They, they just have a really great chemistry. I could see them being this, uh, this factor that, that is a through line in the movie, but yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, all right, so, uh, Kelly Wan, did you get enough uh, Abby Cornish? That's <laughs> what she said.
2: One, two, three, not only you I'm uh, in between. One, two, three, bad. three, three to uh-huh. <laughs> She had a good scene his- you know, in the graveyard. <laughs> and the graveyard scene she I kind of was- liked, by the way. Alright, okay. That was really fast.
1: I know that's what she said. What
2: were you gonna ask? Uh, did,
1: Sorry.
0: Did we have more to say about uh, I just feel like I feel bad for the movie. I mean it had a great cast, I'm glad it's doing well. I really like Martin McDonough's other stuff, but uh, I thought it was a little bad. Well. I thought the numbers at the beginning
2: what? of the podcast were that it's not doing as well.
0: As I mentioned, it's made more money than In Bruges made for its entire run. Uh, it's still going, uh, considering the budget, and it'll... Uh, no, I, I think it's doing well enough.
1: Um, I feel I feel bad, too. I was hoping you guys would really like it, and I'd be the wet blanket. That's what you wanted to happen? Yeah, I was hoping I was missing the boat, and that you guys would talk it's about it. It's
2: the third week in a row where we all kind of agreed, which makes probably for a really boring podcast.
0: Well, we'll see what happens next week. Uh, with- Somebody try to... The odd man out next week. <laughs> yeah, Kelly Wan, Dingus, yes. yes, you need to love Cloud Atlas. It needs to be the best movie you've seen in ten years. Okay. Wait, wait. I, you'll you'll like it more than me because you're no five's thing. I thought. No, you'll like it. No, you'll like Cloud
2: Atlas. You be. All right. I'll try <laughs> to like it. I promise.
0: Kelly Wan, I want you to transform into someone who likes Cloud Atlas. Wait, <laughs> is that st- I don't understand why you're saying it. Like that. <laughs> Let's have a three by three. Ah. About your three favorite Transformers. Mine are Olympus Prime, uh, Star, Star Child, and Howl uh, 2001. Are those your real ones? <laughs> no, I'll tell you what. I, so, Kellywan, what is this week's 3x3? Uh, and we'll take it from there. It's, I was close. What was your first one again?
2: Beehive.
0: Just, yeah. Beehive. Uh, Olympus Prime, yeah, Beehive, and Starchild. Those are my favorite uh,
2: Transformers. I technically said, mm-hmm. as opposed to just saying it, mm-hmm. uh, that's trans- transformations, not sequences. What did I say? I wasn't really listening to myself.
1: You said you were going to do sequences, but you decided to uh, so do transformations. Right, no. so, yeah, exactly.
2: Right. So, yeah, there you go. All right, not a lot of context, but let's see what we can do with
0: that. <laughs> That's not how I roll, Tom. I, I want you to try to understand what I want. You don't want to straightjacket us. Give us no. a lot of freedom. Uh, all right, well, uh, what I did with this, uh, I'll be introducing next week's 3 by 3 so I'm going to go first, uh, is uh, I basically am picking horror movies uh, because transformations are – well, you know what? Because it's almost Halloween, so there. What do you think of that? So I've got three horror movie transformations – uh, that I chose for mine. Uh, my number three is from a recent movie um, that I will kind of spoil a little bit. There's a, a, an anthology of found footage shorts, mm. uh, and they're kind of shuffled together. It's called VHS, um, and the first full one that you see in VHS, there's kind of connective tissue found footage, but the first full sequence, none of them have title cards or anything, but if you watch the credits, you know they have names. Uh, the first one is called Amateur Night. Uh, And I'm going to spoil a little bit of Amateur Night, which is the first sequence in VHS, and say that that is one of my favorite transformations. Um, So you might want to fast forward a little bit if you uh, haven't seen this yet or if you don't want it spoiled. But in Amateur Night, uh, the, the premise of it is that these frat boy dudes have basically rigged up and this is to explain the found footage. Rigged up a hidden camera in a pair of glasses, and they're going to go out and seduce women or a woman, and they're going to shoot a, a sort of a gonzo, girls gone wild, porno thing uh so uh the kid wearing the glasses he's kind of good-natured he's a little reluctant to do this but they talk him into it and then the other two frat boys uh they round up some women and they end up at a hotel room with one woman who passes out but what it turns out that the movie is about and you see her sort of loitering around and this is the advantage of the found footage uh format you kind of see glimpses of her loitering around and she talks to the kid in the glasses and you don't ever find out her, her name, but in the credits, her name is listed as Lily. Uh, and one of my favorite transformations is how Lily goes from being this odd girl you s- you get a glimpse of in the background to the subject of this short. Um, and I kind of am reluctant to say more than that. Uh, but you guys, did you guys both see Amateur Night or both see VHS?
2: Yeah, yeah, that's absolutely. the best one.
0: Okay, uh, and it is, and and what I love about it is how it's kind of uh, a twist on you know the story is basically kind of about how these jerky boys prey on women, and what I love is the turnaround that Lily makes this into. Uh, but you know what I'm going to spoil it. You, if, if if you don't want to spoil, it, you fast forward it. But I love how she becomes this rapacious demon who ends up basically. Uh, tearing the boys apart even ripping off one of their genitals uh and the guy that she likes uh she genuinely likes him she ends up like carrying him off into the sky and that's and it ends right there because his glasses fall off of him and drop back to the earth and, and the segment is over uh but and and they do a kind of a makeup thing with her they make her look scary and you gradually see her feet she's got creepy feet and they do cool effects of her in this dark hotel room with only the tv light um and I love the stairwell scenes. Uh, so she's
1: also got this beautiful, weird innocence about her that I loved. Mm-hmm. It's it's this weird thing that, that it seems like she when she's saying that line she says she really means it. It's it's really great. I really love that character.
0: Uh, the actress's name is Hannah Fearman, and uh, w- w- the way I characterized it when I was talking about this before is it's kind of like uh, an adult take on The Little Mermaid. Like, you get this, you get this awesome. sense that, that she's from another world, and she wants to experience like what human love is, and she genuinely likes one of these boys, and that's kind of her her tagline. Is She learns to say the phrase, I like you, and that's pretty much all she knows how to say. That's all you need to say. And, and she does. It's sort of like she's practiced that, and she just saunters into this this club and and takes up with these guys. You know, she sees this one guy and likes him and ends up following along. And there is this great innocence. Like when she tries the cocaine, when the guy has her take the cocaine, it's like when you give a dog peanut butter or something. Like she does this weird animal like she doesn't know how to react to this sensation. And it's really endearing. Uh, And just the actress is so good, too, at at capturing this. And so one of the guys even says to her at one point, what do you like, a cat, when she kind of snarls at him? Uh, And and the actress does have this kind of, um, she's got these enormous just eyes, and they look a little freaky, and she's even a little scary when she's addressing the guy, like, straight to the camera. Uh, So they don't have to do too much with the makeup. They basically just kind of give her contact lenses and put this weird ridge on the middle of her face, and she still looks very creepy. Oh, and fangs, of course, by the way. Um, but, yeah, I love what the actress did with that. Uh, She's like the so Chicken May, kind of. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Ah, Who is that? What's very name? good. Angela Bettis. There's a lot of Angela uh, Bettis in that. Yeah. Very good, Kelly Wand. Good job. Uh, very good. Uh, so that's one of my, my number three favorite transformation is uh, Lily in uh, in VHS. Uh, real quick, what did you guys think of the rest of VHS? Did you watch the whole thing?
2: I did, and that was the best one, and the acting was the best in that one. And then the rest were sort of the same theme, but not as good. I like the second one too, and that was the Ty West one, the one about the couple. Yep. Uh, and second honeymoon,
0: I think. Yeah, it's called. Yep. Uh, I like the one.
1: girl in that because she she in profile she sort of reminded me a little of Anna Kendrick, and her name is Sophie yeah. Takal, and I really I liked her a lot. Um, I don't, I, I liked it overall. It, it kind of feels like it it falls for a lot of normal. Goofy tropes here and there, but it, it's useful. But the one, the best one, is the David Bruckner one.
0: Then that's Amateur Night. And so Dingus, are you now recanting everything you have said about the Signal?
1: <laughs> yes, every single thing, except <laughs> for the middle part.
0: Which one did he direct? <laughs> David Bruckner did the first part of the Signal, and he did uh, Amateur Night. But I'm sure, Dingus, he was a creative advisor for all the parts of the Signal. Just so you know. I'm sure you're right. <laughs> uh, all right, so uh, there you go. There's my number three. Dingus, what is your number three pick for a favorite transformation, and what on earth was your approach to this broad topic? How did, how did you approach this, Dingus? And maybe have a line for us.
1: All right, uh, I don't have an approach. I have one horror movie in this sort of horror movie. Hmm? Maybe two so kind It's a grab fun. bag. Approach. It is a grab bag. All right, here's, here's my uh, number three favorite transformation. Uh, here's a line from it. What we got back didn't live long, fortunately.
0: Uh, if I were to give you another, if is the line, is the, does this line in the movie exist in this movie, Dingus? I've come to say one magic word to you, cheeseburger. No. Oh, never mind then. <laughs> what the fuck is happening? <laughs> What's wrong with you people? Cheeseburger. I thought, cheeseburger. Dingus, had, I thought cheeseburger. Dingus had stolen one of my picks. Uh, what we got back didn't last long.
2: That's obviously The Fly,
0: right? Well, uh, I thought know. that's what Dingus was doing, but he's not. So I don't know. I don't, I don't think I've seen this movie, Dingus. Oh, wait. Cheeseburger. Right. Cheeseburger
1: is Tom's movie. Uh, so my movie, here's another quote from it. Starfleet, boost your navigation. Oh we my need more God. signals. Oh,
2: my God. Uh, I, was, I thought I was... That's not a transformation.
0: Ugh. Sure it is. It's a transformation from two people into a pile of flesh. Well, you know what? My Fly reference was similar. So there. I so think my, I, I think technically on a scientific level, Dingus, I called it. As far as like <laughs> er- errant telepods, but but Dingus exactly. is
2: rated G. <laughs> it's a G-rated
1: fly gag. Yes, and this had a huge impression on me as a child. It's from, of course, Star Trek: The Motion Picture. Oh, nothing ever great. works in that movie. Like 1979, the, it's directed by Robert Wise. It doesn't work. The transporter does not work
2: in this case. And, um, I just, uh, I remember. If they can do time travel in the fourth movie, why don't they just bring those people back?
1: Well, once they slingshot around the sun, maybe they'll be able to do that. Oh. Uh, so it's the
2: transformation
1: of these poor people who are trying to transport onto the Enterprise and then go back to Starfleet into dead people.
2: We don't know Mm. that they were poor, though. Maybe they had it coming. Maybe they were the, they would have been the dicks on board. That's good.
1: That's a good point. They could be psychopaths eight and nine. <laughs>
2: <laughs> the odd numbered psychopaths are the good ones. Mm. Terrible. I mean, even.
0: All right. So uh, Dingus is, is a Star Trek movie, and and not That's even his- Star. Right. right. Not even Star Trek Two, the good one.
2: Well, nobody transforms in that. They all end up. What about Spock turning into a, an old man in the new one? <laughs> but. Using a different
0: actor if that counts. Or what about Spock transforming into someone who's dead in Star Trek Four? Well, what so,
1: about a dead dead planet becoming a living planet?
0: Genesis device, Genesis project. I got it. I totally called that one.
2: What about Sean Connery turning into Roger Moore
0: in Living Let Die? Gosh. Yeah. <laughs> well, Kelly, Wan, is that is that your number three? What is your number three, Kelly One? What are you trying to say? What's oh, your uh, third best transformation of all time in all mm-hmm. movies? I'll do a line from it, mm-hmm. and then I'll tell you why I
2: picked this topic. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> hey, I'm t- getting shaggier. <laughs> no?
0: That's got to be uh, the Scooby-Doo movie done by uh, the guy who did Super, uh, whose name... God, why am I terrible with names? Who did Super, Dingus? The, uh, the troll Gunn. guy. James Gunn, yeah. It's got to be James Gunn's Scooby-Doo movie, right, Kelly Wand? guy <laughs> did a Scooby-Doo movie. He did, yes. <laughs>
2: uh, no, I'm referring to the shaggy DA with Dean Jenks mm. from the 70s. Ah, okay. Because that was a transformation sequence that made me want to go into politics. And I came up with this topic because I was watching Obama and Romney debate, and they were I started wondering what kind of dog breeds they'd turn into. And what did you conclude? That. No matter what Obama turned into, Romney would go. He's a werewolf. Shoot him, and then shoot him. No, Romney would just put him on top of his car.
0: Oh, Ouch. <laughs> I forgot about that. How could I forget about that? Why didn't? Why isn't that being brought up more in the debates? Why doesn't when Romney says something? Why doesn't Obama just say, "Oh yeah, well you put a dog on top of a car and drove across country"? End of story. <laughs>
1: because, <laughs> because Romney would say, "You ate dogs."
0: What? What Obama ate dogs? Wait, Romney was in vacation. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, uh, Dingus, I don't know if you know this about our I should have actually brought this up during the seven psychopaths segment of the podcast. But uh, our friend Tony has a chihuahua. Um. There's more. There's more. I did not
2: it, see that sentence
0: it, it does not stop there, uh, and it's a rescue dog. And so you naturally assume, oh, he went to like the pound and, and got it. But that's not how he got this dog. Uh, he brought the dog over to visit the other day, and it, it was almost eaten by my cat. The poor little thing. That it's a. It's this very well-behaved little Chihuahua. I normally don't would think, ew, chihuahuas, those are like weird, annoying, yipping dogs. This is a great dog. It's very well-behaved, and it doesn't even look like what I expect a chihuahua to look like. It looks like a baby deer. I, I don't know. I don't even think it's a chihuahua. I'm just trying to tell them it's a baby deer. That's not a dog, but it is technically a chihuahua. So he also told us where he got this dog, and it turns out he didn't go to a pound or anything to get this, or a pet store or anything like that. He hit the streets... Looking for a dog and found this dog. There are apparently YouTube videos that tell you how to track down and entice stray dogs so you can capture them and, and care for them. And the way you're supposed to do it is with little like those 49 cent cheeseburgers from McDonald's. So what our friend Tony did, he bought a bunch of these cheeseburgers, he <laughs> drove. I just
1: hit kidnapping, the by the way. <laughs> I know. This is not adopting. Well, exactly. This is, I about this is kidnapping.
0: I know, exactly, exactly. And so, But he drove to, apparently you're supposed to go to disadvantaged neighborhoods to do this. So he drove into Compton with a bag full of cheeseburgers from McDonald's. That's really wanting a dog. And he said that most of the dogs there, there's two kinds of dogs there. They're either pit bulls or chihuahuas. And you steer clear of the pit bulls, of course. But he he found this little Chihuahua there. That's how he got this little dog. Um, now you're right, Ningus. It is kidnapping. But he you would think, but he did. You know, it didn't have a collar. It was just running around on the street. He took it to the vet. The vet said it didn't have like a microchip or whatever. Um, so I, yeah, I don't know if it's kidnapping or, or dog napping. I don't know if it's technically illegal. Uh, I feel bad for mentioning his name. I probably shouldn't have done that because maybe I don't know. Maybe there's a psychopath out there wanting his dog back and he's going to look for tony now hey did so. he get
2: the vet by uh planning stethoscopes around the streets and then it would like entice them <laughs>
0: what what movie did we see we saw a movie that, oh, oh rise of the planet of the apes where james franco uh gets to date an impossibly hot vet by by bringing in his monkey wait uh <laughs> who's the chick who's the vet i don't remember oh. the actress's name but she was uh that's picture. my first question Did did you see? Maybe you didn't see Rise of the Planet of the Apes. Well, that's a great way if you want to if you want to date a really hot vet. The two things you want to do are Uh bring in a monkey and uh, look like James Franco. (sighs) Where the hell am I going to find a monkey at this (laughs) time? All right, isn't it it Frida? Oh god, damn it! Frida Pinto, that painter that uh, was played by Salma Hayek.
2: There's no famous Frida, right? Frida yeah. Pinto, the painter. Yeah, I'm going to say that. <laughs> Pinto. It's Frida Pinto. It's Frida something. You might be right, actually.
1: Uh, I don't know, Diggis, but good. No, Frida Kahlo's the. All right, never
0: mind. I don't
1: know. I know I can picture her though, and she's smoking. Yeah.
0: She is a. She's very attractive. Oh. Huh. Uh, there's okay. there's a movie with uh, the guy who played Murray on uh, Flight of the Conchords. Reese Darby is his name, uh, and I forget who plays. I want to say Rachel Weiss, That can't be right. But it's all about how he gets to date a veterinarian by bringing in uh, a duck. So, alternatively, not as hot as the girl in Rise of the Planet of the Apes. But if you look like Reese Darby and you have a duck, you can still date a very attractive uh, veterinarian. So, Kim Wal-
2: Darby with a walrus, probably. <laughs>
0: Uh, are you guys ready for I hope that becomes a meme yes my number two favorite transformation aside from this week's 3 by 3 and the How to Date Veterinarians like that's one of my favorite transformations uh, but as far as movies go my Not number guys. two favorite transformation I'm going to give you guys a line are you ready? since Kelly Wand has scooped I, I already blew my line for the number one so we all know what that is but here's my line from the, my number two favorite transformation it's a horror movie the line is and pretend I'm saying this in a British accent. There's a disturbance in Piccadilly Circus involving some sort of mad dog. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's my number uh, two, also. Ah, Kelly Wan, you can't change your number two. That's what you're gonna pick. Yeah, it's a great transformation. It's uh, I don't I don't you know. know what? Say it's dated. So it's from uh, American Werewolf in London, and it's it's David Naughton turning into a werewolf, and the effects were by Rick Baker. Uh, so Kelly, one, do you feel that the the effects are dated at all? Well, hey, I was talking
2: about Jenny Agutter's British accent. I don't know what you're talking about, but no, uh, no, it's not dated at all because it's like not CG yet, so it's like makeup and shit. And I also like how it starts because it's like he's just wandering around the apartment, whistling and reading and listening to music, and then you, all of a
0: sudden you just start screaming. Not even wandering. He's sitting in a in a chair. Yeah, staring, staring out into chair, space. Cheerfully. No, he's reading a book. He's sitting in a chair reading a book, and he suddenly throws it down and grabs yeah. his head and starts screaming. Yeah. <laughs> it hurts. It's it's like the most excruciating,
2: painful transformation ever. Like, it makes Jeff Goblin... Never mind. I want to ruin your other thing.
0: Well, no, no, because that's the fly is my other one. And what, what's amazing is you think that little period of like what is it like three years we had it was just like the, uh, the this this amazing time for practical effects in horror movies. And I think specifically of three men back then. You know, Tom Savini did Dawn of the Dead. Uh, Then uh, Rick Baker did American Werewolf in London, and then Rod Botin did The Thing. And that was all in the space of like four years there. Uh, And and what an incredible – I mean, that's got to be the high point of just doing crazy, wacky, practical effects, to just do amazing things that you'd never seen before. I remember at the time, The Howling had
2: come out like right before American Werewolf, and American Werewolf was getting dinged for like being too derivative of The Howling. But in The Howling, it was always like at night, and in American Werewolf, you get a super awesome – view of it, like, lovingly photographed.
0: Yeah, in a in a, a well lit room, yeah. exactly. And the thing is, too, it's like it's not until I rewatched it. It's not until an hour into the movie that that takes mm-hmm. place. The movie is so leading up to that, uh, and they do just really great stuff with uh, you know the prosthetics on his face and the puppet of his of his hand extending, and even like his heels stretching out, yeah. and the sound effects, and him screaming. Uh, and they 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 have a fake werewolf body on the ground, and they do the thing where they stick his head up through the floor, and you can see. How how they do it but it all fits together very well and it looks great
2: yeah
0: um and and specifically what i didn't remember kelly wand uh is the end result of the werewolf that looks really cool too Mm -hmm. and you only ever really see a puppet of it from the front end you know you don't get to see many views like full length views of the thing but that puppet looks really badass yeah Uh, i'd forgotten about that part too and it kills a lot of people and it kills you say, them horrifyingly. You, you say it kills a lot of people, Kelly Wan, but one of my favorite things, which, again, I didn't remember about American Werewolf in London, is what John, Land, John Landis directed this. What he does with that climactic scene in Piccadilly Circus, the werewolf kills, like, one person in that scene but the the people freaking out and the traffic, it's just this crazy, like, Blues Brothers level of traffic wrecks. There's just, yeah. like, cars sliding around, smashing people. There's suited yeah. shots of, like, tires running over people in the street, and yeah. people getting thrown through the windshield. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it's absurd in a good way. I mean, it's just ridiculously over the top. Uh, and I, I love, too, how the movie progresses from just these two guys on the moors and this very personal story to this just crazy over the top carnage in Piccadilly Circus at the end. Uh and the bleakness of it's like the friend is deteriorating. Oh and yeah. And he's yeah.
2: it's like you gotta kill yourself. Like that's the that's the happy ending. It's like you have to end your life before you kill tens more people. Yeah. Yeah. Oh and then and all he just that doesn't
0: do it. And he doesn't do it. And and uh, also, do you remember how American Werewolf in London ends? Do you remember uh, the last shot? Is it her crying? Now, yeah, it's her crying, then a shot of his body with the bullet holes, and then it cuts to the credits with that uh, with Blue Moon. <laughs> it just cuts to this yeah. shipper. I mean, it's this crazy juxtaposition of, hey, here's this character that I kind of liked, and uh, now Gutter's all sad, and he's dead, and then crazy happy music over the credits. No epilogue, is, is right. sort of. it's da you know, Yeah. <laughs> And all those dreams with the Muppet show. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Exactly. It's a great movie. It really is. And I'd forgotten about that until I watched it. And you think too, how they used to do werewolves before then is that silly time-lapse stuff. Yeah. With, like the guy's got, you know, fur glued to his face over a time-lapse sequence. It made werewolves fascinating. That movie. Yeah. Like better than vampires. Like there is a great shot too of, uh, it's before you've seen the werewolf. And I love this shot. Um, it's it's uh you know we know that he's changed we we saw the transformation we don't really know what the werewolf looks like and then it it cuts to um uh, people out like there's these winos and, they're, and they get killed and then uh, one of the kills is a guy who gets off of a subway. Yeah, uh, and yeah, exactly. It's the under, it's the tubes, the underground banker there. guy, and it's the banker guy, and he's running from the werewolf. And there's camera effects of the like the you see the werewolf's point of view as it's chasing him, and he runs to an escalator and he trips and falls and his briefcase falls open on the escalator and he's lying he's he's sort of fallen down on the escalator lying down and there's a shot from the top of the escalator a Long shot down the view of it, and he's near the bottom, slowly moving up. And you see, uh, way down in the distance, the front of the werewolf crawling into the screen, uh, and just that one glimpse of it from the front, a piece of it. And it reminded me of the glimpse of Lily in VHS when she like beats around from the top of the stairs. But I love that long shot. Uh, yeah, and, and there's a shot like that in American Werewolf in London, which I just love. Uh, you know, seeing like your doom way up in the distance, just sort of mm. peeking on the edge of the screen. Uh, so, yeah, American Werewolf one London. bummer after another, that movie. It's
2: great. Yep. Remember and, the bar at all? The bar in the, in the Moors? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. <sighs> Let's just watch that movie on a loop for 20 hours. <laughs> uh, all right, so that's my number two pick. Cut Wait, one. you're going to say something and I cut you off. I'm sorry.
0: Um, no, i just, just point out that's my number two pick. It, it holds up. I was just really delighted at, at how well it holds up. Uh, and the
2: shitty f- sequel with Julie Delpy and
0: what's-his-face. Oh, my God. Is that Eric Roth? Uh, Eric no, 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 not, not, not Eric Stoltz. Eric Stoltz. Eric Roth. No, it's Tom Everett Scott. Okay, for some reason I was thinking Eric Stoltz, because Eric Stoltz is in the sequel to The Fly, which I also watched, but we'll talk about that in a second. Uh, He's also Fly in too, a or... movie with Julie Delpy about... Oh, Killing
1: Zoe.
2: Killing Zoe, thank you. Oh, yes. I see what he, Okay. Yeah. All right. Wow. That's what Tom mixed up? That's interesting. <laughs> That's well, Roger um, uh, Avery, the Avery B- who
0: wrote the Gold Avery. Watch thing
2: in Pulp Fiction, and thus we saw it all ties into Kevin Bacon and some psychopaths. Like <laughs>
0: beautiful uh all right so uh american Wolf of london is mine and kelly Wan's number two pick dingus what do you have to compete with that is there another star trek movie dingus that, that you think <laughs> stormtrooper <laughs> when he
2: bumped his head is his head <laughs> transformed into a head with a bump on it
0: <laughs> so that's it that's my I number
1: did, two take vader all right. all right here's a quote from my number two all right
0: we're going to mix all you have to do is prick your finger See, I want to guess things, but it it might ruin something. So obviously it's someone doing a little, like, uh, Blood Brothers ritual. Yeah. Hangover. In a basement. Oh. Um. And the other characters. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. See, I was going to guess another movie that I think is thematically similar to this one. Isn't that run, (laughs) 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 Uh, Dingus, why don't you tell us a little bit about, uh, is it Let Me In?
1: Uh, yes, um, I chose Let Me In. Thank you so
0: much. By the way, real quick, before Diggis talks about Let the Right One In, uh, so Let Me In is Chloe Moritz, of course, uh, in the little vampire thing. Did you guys know there is a Chloe Moritz-Carrie remake with her playing Carrie and Julianne Moore playing the mother? Did you know about this? Is it, it on movie? Broadway? It's, is it
1: a musical? You, probably, uh,
0: it's a, a it? movie. It's a movie. It's a theatrical release, it's like a major motion picture. Who wants Which, to see a remake of Carrie? I, hopefully, I don't know. I mean, you know what? With Chloe Moritz, I think I do. Uh, but yes. I, and, and Julianne Moore playing the mother? Come on! Does that not sound? Awesome? Oh, you're
2: you're you're excited about it. Well, <sighs> you were, you open with, oh, can you believe this thing's
0: getting made? And now you're like, oh boy! Well, Julianne Moore is the mother.
2: I mean, that. Making that-
0: uh, you know, it's actually, uh, the, the director's kind of, it, it's, it's the woman who did uh, Boys Don't Cry, Kimberly Pierce. Uh, okay. Like, it's not a director who normally does horror movies. So for that reason, I'm excited. And I, you know, I just, I, I keep wanting to give Chloe Moritz a chance. She keeps doing these awful She's reboots, horror mo- reboots, which are never good. Well, she's done, you know, like like she was in Hugo. She was in this horrible thing called Hick. I mean, she's doing a lot of stuff. We saw her in that Dark Shadows thing. And she keeps doing things that I'm disappointed in. So I I want her to do something good. It's not her fault, and maybe this will be good. Uh, So who knows? So at any rate, so Dingus, tell us more about Let Me In, uh, the movie that made your number two pick for Favorite Transformation.
1: I'm so pissed for you saying it like that. That's not the name of this movie. Will you Sorry, stop doing that? That that title is antithetical to what this movie is. Seaman
0: Beaumont. Or <laughs> Okay, that's last episode. So this episode, oh, yes. so let the right one in, is Dingus' number two choice for a favorite transformation. Dingus, what is that transformation?
1: All right, this is uh, Oscar the Kid is uh, down in this... Weird basement or cellar or whatever it is, um, with his new friend Eli, and he's decided that he's gonna do a blood brother thing with her. I'm sorry, with Eli, and he cuts his he cuts his hand and he holds it out, and um, and Eli smells the blood and moves away immediately because Eli, as we know, is a vampire. Don't let anybody know. Um, and you hear this great stomach gurgling thing, and uh, and. Eli suddenly pounces on the blood uh, and and laps it up and looks up. And the Eli character is now a middle-aged woman. And it's, it's just this super quick transformation. And then Eli flees the scene and goes up into a tree and looks a little different still. But I remember the first time I saw it, afterward talking about it i think i think just talking about it with tom and going did that happened did yeah yeah that happened are you yeah are you sure it happened yeah, i'm pretty sure it happened it, it's just such a great it, when you watch it now it seems entirely obvious but when you watch it the first time through because of the way they do the makeup and the hair and everything yeah um it it feels so weird and it's something that happens to you later and uh, and one of the reasons why this movie re- re- rewards subsequent viewings. But it's this great uh, transformation of understanding that th- this creature is not uh, the age that we think this creature is.
0: And they did bring it, it was a, com- it, like, if we verified Dingus, it's a different actor. Like, they don't have this yeah. Yeah. uh yeah. which is really startling. Yeah. Uh, know, like Guy Pierce and Prometheus? Because yeah, that's all makeup. Say Guy uh... Pierce. It, it would be like, what if you suddenly brought in. Like an elderly actor to play Guy Pierce's part. See? Hmm. See? So uh, I'm sorry. When I, when I
1: said, um, hair and makeup, I think what I meant was that this other, it is a diff, it's definitely a different actress, but because of the way the shot is, um, Oscar is looking at Eli as Eli's lapping up the blood from, he's, he's standing up and looking down at Eli and, and he just sees Eli's hair and then Eli looks up. Right. And there's that sense of, oh, my God. Um, and because of the way they do the hair and makeup, this other actress uh, looks in that second like that other actress could be the, the first character. I mean, it's just this great transformation, super quick. It's not as quick now watching it again. But, again, there's this weird time thing that happens to you when you're watching a movie the first time. And then when you watch it subsequent times, the 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 things you didn't notice seem like seem obvious to you, and uh, and oh, how could you ever miss that? But I remember talking about it on the way home because I think we saw this together, and we were didn't that happen.
0: Yeah, I think that happened. You know, it's so where I love the, transformation. Yeah, it's where the shot would normally be, and the character would look up. And God, it's a demon face with like CG eyes and a big old CG jaw and scary CG teeth. But instead of doing that. They just put in a, a middle-aged woman there. <laughs> Which is more terrifying than any other aged woman. It's just as disarming. Uh, mm. All right, so uh, very good, Dingus. That's uh, Let Me In. From Stop the,
2: doing that. From the got the director a very of, good
0: from Tom. From the director of Cloverfield. Dang you. <laughs> uh, Kelly Wan, we know your number two pick is American Werewolf in London. Why don't you give us a line from that movie? Uh, look out, that werewolf's not from here. It's an out of town uh, werewolf.
2: Yeah, better. Yeah, have <laughs> to shoot it, don't stop crashing cars, you fucking idiots!
0: Uh, all right, the line for my number one is: uh, is I've come here to say one magic word. to you cheeseburger? Uh, which I remembered that. So I rewatched The Fly recently, and I uh, remembered that scene and uh, as it happened, I was like, "Oh, is he going to do the oh the cheeseburger line? Oh, that's going to be stupid." And i was like, oh, no, that's perfect, because he's really awkward and weird. Uh, I, I love Jeff Goldblum in this. Uh, I love how The Fly is kind of this perfect expression of that that body horror, that dysmorphia is the word for that, uh, that Cronenberg loves doing so much. Uh, I think he's totally got it right in uh, The Fly. And part of that relies on Jeff Goldblum being really good, on the chemistry he has with Gina Davis, on how focused it is. Uh, the Fly is basically, it could be a play for how it takes place almost entirely in one location. You know, there's was a few surprise. other locations. Uh, it was an opera, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, but I... I, I, I I also noticed watching it, you know, the, the original fly, uh, about the mad scientist who he ends up getting a fly head or whatever, uh, has the famous scene where then the little fly gets the mad scientist's head, and it has the famous scene, and, and the, sort of the money shot in the original fly, is seeing the little fly in the spider web with the human head going, help me, help me, like everybody knows that famous scene from the fly. I didn't really notice this, I, I don't think I ever knew this, but, there's a there's a point in the David Cronenberg fly where he's starting to fall apart and she's not sure what to do and how to react and she's holding him and he says help me uh, and and, I, and that's such a perfect expression of the difference between the two movies uh, and and what. The David Cronenberg one movie does with that that scene from the original Fly, and it's all about someone being subjected to a kind of a metaphor for aging or cancer or disease or whatever you want to think of it as, uh, and and how it's pulling him apart from someone that he loves, uh, and how that's a relatable horror. Um, you know, nobody they else they don't get help. They do not get help. Yeah, uh, John gets instead. Uh, comes around and gets his hand dissolved uh, which by the way all uh, is in the sequel the sequel is so terrible yeah have you seen The Fly 2 Kelly Warned? yeah I hate it I to uh, murder that movie it's awful. That's awful Awful. Is Eric Stoltz again it's Eric Stoltz and it was directed by the guy who did the special effects for the first Fly movie uh, and furthermore it has a script by Frank Darabont uh, which uh, is just so geez. disappointing it watching it? that um, it has a happy but, ending too which is even awesomer Uh, yes, that's right. Yep. Yeah. Everybody lives. Everybody's fine. Um, so, uh, but, but the original fly, uh, I love the transformation. Uh, I don't include the effects. Like when I think of that stretch of time, which has Rob Bottin doing the thing and Tom Savini and Dawn of the dead. And we talked about Rick Baker and American world in London. Uh, the effects in the fly aren't on that level. I mean, they're good, but, uh, there's a point. Uh, near the end before the final transformation where jeff goldblum is walking around in this big sort of clunky latex suit and and all i could think was he looks like the toxic avenger mm. <laughs> he looks like the guy from those trauma movies uh but i do love his like final form he's got that kind of weird bug face with the big kind of eyes uh I like that a lot, uh, but, but mostly what I like about the transformation is that even under that makeup, even in that toxic Avenger latex bodysuit, uh, there's no hiding Jeff Goldblum's performance uh, and the, the anguish that Gina Davis shows, like in, in reaction to that. What about uh, the fly's performance in the telepon? Uh, the fly was good. It stood on the glass exactly in the right place to yeah. where David Cronenberg could frame the fly, and then you could see Jeff Goldblum sitting in the telepod in the background. So that fly was very good, yes. Did um, it ever seem dumb to you that not see the fly there,
2: but we no? see the fly there? No. Really? Because flies are kind of loud and hard to
0: ignore. Well, this one wasn't flying. It was standing still.
2: That's it, true. When a it fly's not flying, we should it, just call
0: it a stand. It was stealthing in there, yeah. <laughs>
2: Oh, I see what you that, did, Kelly.
1: Want.
0: That was good. <laughs> see what I did? <laughs> that observation
1: about the, the help me" thing. I don't remember that, and that's a really that's a beautiful observation. I really
0: like that. I, I love that moment too. I mean, I can't help but think. I mean, it's got to be intentional. Yeah, uh, it was yeah. in the trailer. It was in the commercials. It said "help me."
1: No, but I don't remember it. I don't remember it from the original, and that I've never heard that link made before, and that's really pretty.
0: Yeah, because that's the money shot in the original. Everybody like knows that scene, and I I didn't remember that when I was just watching it. And it's like, oh, that's, truly, that's what they were thinking of. Uh, and they're so good. So are they, were they married? Are,
2: no, I, that's the film where they hooked up.
0: Ah, good for them. No, no,
2: wait. I, I, I fucked up. No, they hooked up on Earth Girls Are Easy, I think. And then maybe I'm dumb. get it.
0: Well, you know, we, we had talked before about, you know, what does it do to chemistry when you have married couples yeah. on screen? Uh, uh, Ruby Sparks, by the way, with uh, Zoe Kazan and Paul Dano. Uh, you know, they've got chemistry going. Uh, that, like, that kind of works out okay there. Uh, but certainly in The Fly with Gina Davis and Jeff Goldblum, assuming they were together then, I think it works out great there. They just really seem to get each other Uh I just loved watching them together, and, and she's so not into him at first. He's such a dork, uh, and how the movie sort of traces the arc where she falls for him and then reacts to him falling apart. Uh, just that that through line in the movie they, they handle that so well. Uh, well, her other love interest is
2: way lamer than
0: him. Oh, he's he's such a douche too. Like right. John John gets in that movie is, is a little a bit clear. scummy. Yeah, exactly, exactly. He's clearly uh, but the thing is, for being played for the bad guy, he's the one that saves the day. Uh, I, I kind of like that, that little twist uh, there. And, and by the way, uh, so I know both of you guys, oddly enough, have seen the opera of The Fly, which seems like kind of an odd thing. But one of the things I love about the ending of, of David Cronenberg's movie... Is it? It's so incredibly operatic the yeah. way the way it's shot and, and acted, and certainly the I think it's a Howard Shore score. The way his score plays over that scene, and again, just like American Werewolf in London, no epilogue. Yeah, tears and devastation, and, and then scene exactly. Yeah. Uh, dead hero. Yeah. It was the greatest
2: time in movies ever, and now look <laughs> at him. <them>. Paranormal Four. <laughs>
0: Which, did you see it or not? You oh, like, no, no, good lord, I did not see it. See it. it. I'm oh, not right. going to see Pernambuco Activity oh, 4. Right. Yeah. I was busy watching The Fly. I did, however, see The Fly too. Kelly One, so I did that for you. I read somewhere that for the original one, in the original ending,
2: they didn't smash him with a rock, and so they just watched the spider suck his blood out, which isn't very friendly, because <laughs> the guy's supposed to be his buddy,
0: but at the same time, you go, well, there's something I'll probably never see again. I don't know. By the way, in uh, the Fly sequel, there's a point where uh, – so Eric Stoltz is the, the son of the Fly, and they're studying him at the corporation. Right. And he, he gets loose, and he turns into uh, – he goes into a cocoon, and he turns into a killer fly creature, and he, he's running around killing people. Uh, at one point, uh, the, uh, the people who he's stalking, they're, they're locked in a room, and they think they're safe. And Eric Stoltz turns off the power, and one of them says, clever boy. Oh, No. <laughs> Really? <laughs> so Jurassic Wait, Park. Wait, you watch ripped, that this week? Ripped too? off. Yeah, yeah. Jurassic Park. Uh, ripped off the fly. Uh, you watched The Fly too? Shut up. <laughs> Daphne Zaniga. Oh God, I know. You know what? It made me think that watching, rewatching The Fly, uh, it really made me appreciate how incredibly awful Splice was. Really. <laughs> God. <laughs> and similar. Yeah, yeah.
2: I like the one scene in Splice though, where they where they do the presentation.
0: Yes, that was the best. I like that part. (laughs) It's just as an individual scene. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen. All right. All right, so uh, there is my number one pick. Dingus, what is your number one pick for a favorite transformation? So let's see. It's not a horror movie, because I think you said only one of yours is a horror movie. And Let Me In is indeed a horror movie. Star Trek's a
2: horror movie.
0: Yeah. So, Dingus, what is your number one pick? All right, here's a line from it.
1: Hannah, I love you very much. Keep away from me. Stay where you
0: are. It's <laughs> an awful rendition of Eric Bana. Uh, let's see. What is the transformation, though? No,
2: you're being dumb.
0: I'm being dumb or Dingus That's, is being dumb? Dingus is being smart. You're being dumb. <laughs> okay, Dingus, what is Well, by of all, he gave away the name of the movie in the line.
2: No, nope. he tricked you. He totally punked you. He's genius.
0: <laughs> what?
2: I'm, I'm saddened for Tom now pity him
0: oh is it take shelter
2: oh no what's wrong with you what's happened to you you get that he was get, i thought he was doing a line from hannah Now he wants you to
0: think that oh all right well dingus what is it you've tricked me uh this character is
1: named hannah it is not from hannah and the father is indeed not eric banna it's played by brendan
2: gleason eh.
0: Oh, he's done this one before, right? But he doesn't right.
2: turn into like the transformation doesn't really happen there. Oh, it's such
0: a little it's a great
1: transformation. I what I love about this transformation and this is from 28 days later. Um and uh, what I love about it is it's almost entirely actor driven, which I you know, I love uh, a lot of the things that we've talked about that have special effects and have makeup and whatnot. Uh and and this transformation from loving dad to infected has um, a little bit of the the video enhancement from you know that that whatever they're doing that super cranking or whatever they're doing to make his actions look more like the infected actions. And a little bit of sound when he does that clearing the throat sound that they, that they do like kind of a sound. Um, <laughs> what? Yep, what was that? Yep. Well you have a little bit of that. But mainly it's just the way Brendan Gleeson, um, he, you know, okay, what, what happens is, you know, they're on the, they're on the run and he gets infected because this drop of blood, and I haven't used it before because of like the color red or, I think I've used it twice before, Um with this drop of blood falls into his eye and he realizes, he realizes he's been infected and his daughter's there and he tells her he loves her it's just i love the scene i can watch this scene over and over again because uh he's he's lost his temper he apologizes for that um and he says to his daughter he says to hannah that he loves her and she goes oh and she kind of starts to go come toward him because it's this loving moment and he says Stay away from me. And the transformation that he makes there when he grabs her and pushes her away because he knows what's happening to him. And then he turns away, and his body starts to change. And you see Brendan Gleeson doing this thing that you've seen the other infected doing, this weird limbs just flashing moment, and finally he turns around. I, I am crazy about that moment. So there you go. That's my number one, Twenty Days Later.
0: I knew it would be either that or Midnight Run.
1: It could have been Midnight Run. When he turns when into Charles Grodin. <laughs> exactly, when he when he turns into Charles Groden. That was
2: awesome.
0: Kelly one. what is your number one pick for a favorite transformation? My number one
2: number pick for number one is from transformation from the movie <laughs> Gene Wilder uh, when he turned black in Silver Streak. I thought it was very convincing. It was handled with dignity and cultural sensitivity.
1: All
0: right, awesome. So a little blackface.
1: Yeah, all right, so I owe, I owe you money Tom Because I said white girls and you said this one So alright <laughs>
0: So that scene is so awful. It does not hold up well. It is just insane. I am embarrassed for Gene Wilder watching what? that scene. Oh, no, what are you talking about? He's I know, trying he's doing to get this, past like, the cop drag. this jive, like jive
1: walking thing.
0: Oh and he even does the extended scene in the mirror where someone walks in and is watching him. And, he, and he's like, oh, you saw me do that. I was, uh... I mean, it's just so unfun. It's sitcomy stuff. And it's it's beneath him, really. I hate that scene.
2: <laughs> no, Richard Pryor is
0: horrified by it. <sighs> God, so am I. He <laughs> yeah, uh, past cops. Dingus, you mentioned, uh, actually I meant to bring this up when you were talking about Let the Right One In. Uh, there's this, there's a there's a sequence, I, this is one of my least favorite transformations, there's a, a really cool Thai movie called Last Life in the Universe that I really like. And yeah. for no reason whatsoever, I mean, I, I remember seeing, the, I've seen this movie several times, I own it, and I was trying to parse why did they do that. And at some point, Uh, The movie is about a young Japanese man living in in Thailand who who falls in love with a woman from a distance and he sees her get killed in a car wreck. And it's about his relationship with her sister. Uh, And partway into the movie, the woman playing the killed sister is playing the the sister that he's in love with. You know, they, they swap the actresses out. And I remember thinking, oh, well, there's got to be some message or why they did that. Uh, you know, it's got to be meaningful for taking place at this time. And listening to the director's commentary, it turns out that they just liked working with the other girl, and they wanted to bring her back for a while. Ah. <laughs> so that's one of my <laughs> least favorite transformations. Uh, but also, Dingus, you made me think about when you mentioned uh, – uh, let the Right One In, uh, the transformation that I don't want to talk too much about because, good Lord, I love this movie, uh, the transformation that Isabella Furman goes through at the end of Orphan. Oh, yeah, good one. Which I really like and which made me think of a little bit of what's going on in, in Let the Right One In.
2: Uh, Wait, she becomes a girl with
0: parents? Oh, that's a, that's a great one. <laughs> that's really great. You just, oh, man, that's great. Kelly one, have you not seen Orphan? Yeah, Orphan? I saw it. Oh, yeah, that's right. You have seen Orphan.
2: I like it. Yeah,
0: So, uh, other runners-up, what do you guys got?
2: Uh, I liked when the Bad News Bears were transformed from zeros to heroes. Ah, yes. And also when the chick in the first Back to the Future turned into Elizabeth Shue. <laughs> <laughs> that's
0: right. I forgot about that. Uh, by the way, uh, Eric Stoltz's character in The Fly 2 is named Marty.
2: <laughs> Every time oh, whenever uh, that in the movie, I was like, oh, ouch, poor Eric. That's pain <laughs> right. That's right after then
0: too. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, a twist in the knife. The guy in Psychopaths is named Marty too. Ah, well, that's his name in real life too. You see, so oh, I see. Uh, other runners up, are Kelly, anything? Kellywan, let's go to the mail bags. Wait, wait I've got
1: one runner up. Think yes, you, uh, Yes, here's here's a line from my runner up.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Shave
0: and da
1: hair. Roger Robert, Rabbit. Do you know
0: what he is doing? Is it Roger Rabbit?
1: Very good, Kelly one. So it's when Judge Doom uh, transforms after being run over by a Steamroller into a tomb.
0: <laughs> that's a runner-up. <laughs> that's right. More like, would you like to borrow that for your number one spot instead of Gene Wilder's awful black big spit and <laughs> Silver strike. See, that's racist for you to not like that joke. Kids. Uh, you were supposed
2: to be... Because we're supposed to sympathize with the Richard Pryor character and go, "Oh, I'm embarrassed for him," because that's what he's thinking.
0: That that scene, it's like it's like eight minutes of Gene Wilder pretending to not have rhythm and snapping out of tune. It's like, oh, Wait, it's...
2: you think his rhythm's really good, and he had to like
0: his acting, he had to pump it up. Gene Wilder is great with physical comedy, and I know that having seen that. Uh, that but he's still a white guy. Charlie Chocolate Factory thing. Uh, I, I don't care. Gene Wilder's, I, I, uh, the scene is terrible. <laughs> he's acting. Yeah, that's true. In Charlie and the Chocolate
2: Factory, he pretends he is limping. So you're right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's a non-faked physical gesture, Kelly Wand. His limp uh, in Charlie uh, and the Chocolate Factory. Uh, all right, That's, that's Wanda- his normal walk. He limps.
1: And every other time you see him walking, he's acting.
0: Whoa, he's good.
2: (laughs) I like Dingus. He's a good person. He's also black.
0: Kelly Wand, give us your, uh, what reader mail do we have for favorite transformations? Tonight's mailbag. We only had three
2: entries, so that's a sign that no one liked the topic, I think. Usually it's like a lot more people, isn't it? Or is it always three? Because it's a three by three. And three people just happen. (laughs) They just everyone who decides among themselves who's going to write this week, and then there's three winners that they decide without telling us. Could be. Paul Weimer writes that it was a tough one, and Kelly's topic suggested wider
0: ideas than just the classic werewolf variety. Oh snap! (laughs) (laughs) Paul, that is not. First of all, no. (laughs) And where fly?
2: Yeah, I do look forward to hearing what he's got then. You can, his number three is you can check in, but you can't check out. When Debbie, remember her, uh, gets transformed into a cockroach and then killed in a roach motel by Fred Krueger in Nightmare on Elm Street 4. <laughs> gets him every time. I don't remember that one. Every time. It does tie in, though, with the Canada. His number two is easy sport. I got myself out of Beirut once. I think I can get out of New Jersey. Gina Davis in Long Kiss Goodnight, turning herself into the unstoppable assassin. See,
0: Tom? I like that.
2: Gina Davis. You can't blame me. They've been making statues for some 2,000 years. They've only been collecting for five. Charles Foster Kane transforming from a young man to a man who breaks his principles, Citizen Kane. See? Another callback. Grandpa movie. I <sighs>
1: can't believe we've mentioned Wagner operas twice now.
0: And David Cronenberg operas once.
1: (laughs) Because Kelly Wan just mentioned Beirut again.
0: Ah, very good. Yeah, that's not the name of an opera dingus. It's a place.
1: Oh, my
2: mistake.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Greg Ambrose writes, Hey, guys,
2: I went literal for this week's topic, so I ended up with choices that messed up my young mind. See, you know, we're all old. Mind you, it was really hard not picking Brundlefly, but then I assume everyone did that. Tom. (laughs) Number three, this one's maybe a stretch, but Sleepaway Camp was a terrible B-movie with a twist. Its main character is a sweet girl who's constantly antagonized by bullies at summer camp, but spoiler, she's actually the killer and not a girl. You seen that one,
0: Tom? Sleepaway Camp? I have not, but I have seen All the Boys Love Mandy Lane, so I feel like I've got Mm -hmm. that that subject covered. Kid, turn What?
2: That reminds me of another one I had, but go ahead, keep going. Kid turning into some weird locust creature in The Beast Within. Oh, Honor? I want to...
0: You know, I've been looking for that. Does anyone know where you can find The Beast Within? Because I remember being freaked out by that as a kid. And I, I don't think that's available anywhere.
2: Do you know that I don't movie? I I've, I've ever one? seen it. No, I saw Laser Blast, where the guy turns into a... <laughs> what? He finds an alien gun, and then it turns him into a, a metallic zombie with... White Eyes, if I remember right.
0: So that there had been two movies, uh, and then I want to get back to uh, Greg's picks, but uh, Beast Within I've been looking for for a long time. And there's another movie that was called, it has a couple of titles, but the title I knew it as a kid is Without Warning. And it's kind of a, a version of, <laughs> of... I like that title. <laughs> Why are you laughing at that? That's serious. It's <laughs> the title's a warning. It's not like... <laughs> That's true. <You> know, just <laughs> sit out in the theater and go, ah, fuck! <laughs> How do I get here? <laughs> you see, the credits come up and go. Oh yeah, Kelly one oh, what shit. would what would you guess a movie called Without Warning is about? Uh, a bomb, but not a time bomb. <laughs> <laughs> the second it's made in the man in the factory, the factory blows up. Close. Now so I don't I don't know how That's... it gets this name, but it's about an alien who comes to Earth and hunts people. Oh, huh. And I guess he does not warn them. He's going to hunt them. But uh, it it predates Predator, by the way. And the same guy who played the Predator in Predator played this alien. And it was a more traditional, like, bulbous head alien. And he would hunt people by using these weird devices, like uh, a little fleshy Frisbee that had, like, teeth on it that he would throw. Dingus, it's not a joke. It's serious. Wait,
2: what's that do?
0: He would throw it at somebody and it would stick on them. And I don't know if it turned them into a zombie or if it sucked their blood or something. (laughs) But it, it, it kind of like... Like it freaked me out like the little balls and fan he's hunting of them. <laughs> he has a frisbee that bites them as one of his hunting equipment. Yeah, yeah, but I think he's got other things too.
2: We uh, warned ducks from the <laughs> duck calls that were hunting them because
0: we're not barbaric like the sailors are Why are you guys laughing? This is serious. The frisbee There's, with teeth. I'm sorry. It's one of those things. Could, of frisbees. It could be out there right now. You don't know. It's true.
1: <laughs> I, I love the idea, I, idea of of this. Anywhere?
2: Scary
0: character
1: throwing something at you. You're going ah! Oh, it's a and thing that goes splat.
0: So without warning, except, except the frisbees. I think it had other names. I don't know what other names it had, but that's the name I, I knew it by. Uh, and it was like it was a slasher film. I think he hunted down teens or whatever. I don't know who. it uh, He certainly wasn't hunting uh, a mercenary group in South America or anything like that. It was just uh, oh. yeah. I, that and a Beast Within are movies that freaked me out as a kid that I've been looking for, and I don't know where to find them. So a sequel could be called Even with Less, with even less. <laughs> it's a little wordy. Maybe if you could trim that down. That's yeah, You're not the first to suggest that. Who is that, by the way? Is it David Prowse? Who is that? No, the uh, oh, I want to say I, it's a. It's going to sound uh, bad, but it's an African-sounding name like Jael White, or it's that's not what it is, but it's something like that. The guy who oh. plays the Predator and who played the Without Warning uh, Alien. Um, well, he was he was just some stuntman who I presume was like really tall and thin, and they could put him in these costumes. Um,
2: all right, so, uh, so, Greg, wait, 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 right. so, I don't know if you guys remember this movie, but it was marketed heavily in the early 80s as so terrifying that paramedics were kept on hand in case people had heart attacks. Can you vouch for that, Tom?
0: Wait, what was that? Not Sleepaway Camp. What was the one he was talking about? Uh, Beast Within. Oh, 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 yeah. Uh, I, do, I do not remember there Did being a Did you have a heart, heart attack? In- oh. I, I don't even think I saw it in theaters. That was something that maybe a friend had a VHS copy or saw it on cable, maybe. I pro- yeah. That's probably something I saw on, like, Cinemax or something. You didn't drag your sister to it. I like don't. Chemicals? Uh, no, I don't think she came to that with me. Uh, another one I remember is Prophecy, which I think I might have dragged my sister to, and not the Christopher Walken thing, where he's an angel. The uh, the one about the mutant bear. Uh, I remember being freaked out by that one. Dingus, these aren't funny. This is serious subject matter, dingus. This could be this. This is like an environmental awareness morality tale. That's true. It's like Silent <laughs> Running. But when
1: you when pants. you mention mutant bear, all I'm thinking of is the nanny cam bear in um, VHS. Nanny
0: cam bear. You know when when oh yeah 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 yeah. <laughs> but dingus, this is serious though. Unlike that.
1: Okay.
2: <laughs>
0: Uh, all right, so Kelly Wan, we interrupted Greg. So Beast Within, oh. good. I would love to find out where to he see goes, it.
2: If you haven't seen it, it really doesn't hold up. But basically, at the beginning of the movie, a woman is raped by some creature and gives birth to a son who, during puberty, goes through some crazy changes, ultimately into a locust or cicada, I think. Cicada? Cicada. Tom, how do you say that?
0: <laughs> uh, where I come cicada. from, there's cicadas. Cicada.
2: There's Cicada. Yeah. I don't speak uh, Spanish. The two protagonists return to the living dead, slowly turning into zombies while still alive. Do you remember that? They Bert, open barrels. Bert and yep.
0: Ernie? <laughs> Their names are... Dingus is not funny. Dingus, not everything is a joke. You can have a movie where the two lead characters are named Bert and Ernie, and it doesn't have to be a joke. It can be serious. There hey, are people be- There are people named that in real life, Dingus, and they don't run around thinking of Sesame Street all the time. Hey, Bert. What's going on? <laughs> I... Um, I mean, surely uh, Dan O'Bannon knew he was uh, doing a Sesame Street thing, I'm assuming, in Return of the Living Dead.
2: Is Mitt Romney going to kill them, too, or just Big Bird?
0: Uh, I think Mitt Romney has it out only for a very specific character.
2: So,
0: oh. Yeah. All right, so uh, Kelly, is Wait, that it? one
2: more. Yes. Yeah, only one last one. Soren Hog- Hogland. How do you do the umlaut with the O? It's all just different. Same foul, right? Uh, You do it like this. (laughs) I can't make that sound. So I guess this morphed into every scene that has something changing by the end, but I said to go with what I perceived to be Kelly's original intent before he indulged Tom's desire to include Obi-Wan Kenobi transforming his hand for a non-faked physical bit. See, Tom? The (laughs) listeners agree with me. The buffoon. So, single scenes of characters transforming physically. You have to invite me in... What happens if I don't? What happens if you walk in? Ah, that's not the one Dingus picked, by the way. Well done, Soren. It's the same movie, but it's a different thing,
0: right? So what what does he say about it? Yeah, assuming it's... Uh, It's transformation
2: I love because of how understated it is. Lesser directors would give in to the temptation to pig out on CGI, but instead it's just
0: one shot, a change of actors, and some makeup. I, see,
2: I, I agree oh, with that.
0: No. So, no, he is talking about Dingus's scene. I thought he was talking about the scene because Thomas Alfredson has talked about how to do how to do oh. the scene where she walks in without being invited and blood starts pouring out for, from her yeah. face. Uh, and how difficult it was sort of figuring out how to visualize that. I, think it, I presume it's from the novel. Uh, and they did a great job with that in the movie. Um, they do a great job because of uh, – Establishing it just with the, the
2: soaking of the
1: fabric, I think, is one of the ways that it's established. Ah,
2: right, right. Yeah. It's number two is never stray from the path, never eat a windfall apple, and never trust a man whose eyebrows meet in the middle. Company oh. of Olds with uh, Angela Lansbury. <laughs> Looking at today's the the animatronics are very creaky, but I still find the way The Traveling Man starts his transformation, grunting and screaming while tearing off his face unsettling. Tom, did you see that movie?
0: You know what? I didn't. Uh, I wonder if that holds up. Hmm.
2: I remember not liking it but because it was Red Riding Hood, like as opposed to American World War II. Like I, th- I thought it was too girly at the time. I think. Right. Let the fire burn away the old and rise anew. Think phoenix and heartless. Tom, does that ring a bell? For,
0: for a minute, I thought he was talking about uh, Batman or uh, Dark Knight Rises. <laughs> it sounded like something Bane would say. Does he transform from? He transforms into a guy who can't breathe because the little nozzles get pulled out of his, <laughs> yeah. his face mask. Yeah. <laughs> Too bad the CIA didn't know how to do that.
2: In <laughs> uh, heartless, the protagonist Jamie transforms into a version of himself that doesn't have enormous disfiguring birthmarks by dropping. Oh feet and self-immolating
0: wow uh spoiler but uh yeah so heartless is a guy named philip not philip ridley is it philip ridley he's a guy that did uh the passion of darkly noon and the reflecting skin uh this director doesn't do a lot of stuff uh but his most recent movie was called heartless um and we've talked or i mentioned that on a three by three for uh the best like non-cheap cat scares like shock scares uh and there's a great one in in heartless um but yeah, uh, the uh, does he mention the actor's name? I want to say Jim Sheridan. That doesn't sound right.
2: No, he says he adores the scene that follows, where he sheds his charred skin and big disgusting flakes and emerges pristine, simultaneously gross and beautiful. Tom,
0: uh, I concur.
2: Okay, well done. I see.
0: Yeah. All right, those are all we had. All right, next week this is going to be an easy one. Uh, wait, wait, wait!
1: I have yes. one more I want to bring up because. Yes, they they reminded me, and here's a here's a quote that that uh, I think here's here's a quote from it. I'd fuck me,
0: <laughs> dingus. <laughs> <is> That's gross.
1: <laughs> so it's when James Gum transforms into his woman suit.
0: And dingus, what was the line you heard uttered by an audience member when you saw this movie in North Carolina or Virginia or whatever, <laughs> whatever place you hail from? It's stranger than fiction. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so next week uh it is it is Halloween, so i'm gonna uh I'm gonna uh, bunt no what I'm gonna throw a softball yeah that's what it is that's the metaphor I'm looking for to next week a, a yes buy. Kelly one so the other guy bunts from your pitch you can bunt this and you get two points if you oh. do hmm.
2: <laughs> Better pay attention
0: so next week is Halloween what I want from you guys uh, for your three by threes and this is listeners as well is I want you to set up for me. A Halloween triple feature, and each of the three movies must be at least ten years apart. And I, and I want a reason for them to be a triple feature, not just. I mean, it's Halloween, of course, the so scary movies, but I want them to somehow be connected. I want you to explain to me why it's a triple feature, and there has to be ten, at least ten years between each movie. So, what do you think of that? Uh, a lot of rules, Kelly Wan. Write those down. <laughs> ten years. Hey, it's also the third anniversary of our podcast. And and we started with Paranormal Activity, a horror movie, so this can tie in that way as well. So there you go. So this is your Halloween triple feature, uh, ten years apart for each of the movies, and I want you to explain how they're all connected. Do our runners-up have
2: to be part of that same chain?
0: There I don't like know how puzzle you would, quest. If, if you would like to try to extend it, you're welcome to, but for the three by three, I only have time for a triple feature. You can't expect people to be there for more than six hours to watch horror movies. They've got yeah. like they've got to go bob for apples and whatnot, Kelly Wand. Mm. Kelly Wand, what are you dressing up for is Halloween for Halloween this year? Um just
2: uh, just a barrel full of apples. <laughs>
0: Uh, so if you want to participate more. in the three, so, uh, by three.
1: Yes, since things. it's a Halloween, are you talking about these are scary movies? Or? Ideally,
0: yeah, you're going to show this on Halloween. This is going to be your Halloween triple feature. Right. Now, maybe, now, maybe if you if you want to watch romantic comedies for Halloween, that's your business. I may not be showing up for your three by three triple feature, though. Romantic comedies have scary parts in them
2: sometimes.
0: Where you're, oh, worried yeah, they're not going to get together? Commitment, commitment is freaking scary. You kidding? Yeah. Me. <laughs> what if they never fuck again? I look forward to hearing what you come up with. I love that. That
1: song is from, what's this? Is that in Titanic?
2: What if if they never fuck again? (laughs) That's the, that uh, song they're listening to in Cloud Atlas
0: where Halle Berry goes. It's that song from my other life. (laughs) Speaking of Cloud Atlas, we'll be seeing that next week. So uh, join us for that. If you would like to participate in the three by three, send in your pick for triple feature. This is one case, by the way, where you need three movies. Uh, previously in three by threes. If you just have one or two good ideas, you could send those in. This time, I'm afraid we need three. Uh, so send that to three by three. That's three x three at quarter to three dot com, uh, and we will read those on the air. And then see Cloud Atlas and join us. Is that us. a Halloween movie? Is uh, I do not all I know about it, Kelly Wan, is what you just told me. So I I'm not sure. Okay. And, and plus I know that it's six hours and that you have to see it on two successive nights. Oh, it must be a really good movie though. <laughs> So join us for that. I am Tom Chick. I've been joined by Christian Malinsky. It's Christian Murowski. And Kelly Wand. What was the Transformers name? It turned into the truck. That was uh uh Optimus uh Alpha.
2: Yeah, he sucks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we don't need to edit these. Hey,
0: that's a barracuda. <laughs> uh, that was a that VHS was reference, dingus. Yeah. it's a fish. <laughs> By the way, do you know what that one was called? That segment? Uh,
1: October thirty? No, that's
0: not. It's Saturday the fourteenth. Uh, no, no, it was, did you get it? it's seventeenth. Oh no, yeah, I think you're right, Kelly. Well, that's better. 14th. Isn't there a movie called Saturday the Fourteenth?
2: Uh, got a really hot girl in it a really nice animals.
0: Trip yeah, trip Tuesday out. yeah, you're right. So yeah. Kellywan, thanks for setting me right on that. That, that was worse than uh, than quoting the line out of in the loop as fuckity bye bye then.
2: <laughs> I know. I suck. Hey, did you ever see the Friday the thirteenth,
0: uh, or Jason's in space? <clears throat> yeah. Absolutely. They have his remains on a spaceship and I forget how, but they reanimate him, and I didn't uh, see yeah. That. I was trying to have a guy at work. Uh, they do that, Kellywan, with science. Oh.
2: <laughs> did you get rid of it. And you
1: don't need
2: i Uh Did you see the Leprechaun space movie?
1: Desist, brother. You know this will not help us.